It's the Trail 103.3 and our coverage of the, is it the 19th annual? Big Sky, 16th annual Big Sky Documentary Film Festival continues throughout the entire week. All podcasts available wherever you find podcasts. And screening tonight, uh, 8.45 at the Elks Lodge, Mr. Wash. And we're here with the man himself, Mr. Wash. Hello. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. And uh, the co- was it the, do you say the co-director? Sean, is it Math Matheson? Sean Madison. Madison. Yeah, Madison. See, this, this is why I just asked you. So here's what I want to know first. Um, you've got to help me understand this. Sean, you didn't just find a documentary called Mr. Wash and decide, I've got to get a camera and, and go find this guy, right? You made the documentary. So what was the path that led you to this man? So uh, the co-director, Marissa Aveling, wrote an article about... Uh, inmates who were who had their sentences commuted um, by Barack Obama before he left office and she reached out to Mr. Wash to include him in her story um, and when Marissa and I spoke about the story after it came out we agreed that his story was you know definitely one of the most captivating if not the most and the angle of him being a self-taught artist and becoming a, a painter while he was in prison and then prophesizing or predicting his own release through a painting that he made that he can tell you more about um, seemed to us like an interesting kind of anchor for the story. Um, and so, you know, we approached him and went out to L.A. and talked to him in person. And it was kind of like a long road since then. But here we are. Was this your first venture into uh, documentary filmmaking, Sean? No, uh, I'd worked on a few different documentaries as a cinematographer, but this was my first as a director. And Marissa um, had also worked on some projects, but I think this was also her first time directing. So it was a sort of a trial by fire. But we, um, you know, I think the collaborative aspect of co-directing the film instead of either of us trying to do it on our own really contributed to a stronger end result. Before we uh, go down the path too far and give anything away uh, in the show, what would you say as the filmmaker, uh, one of the guys behind the camera, is one of the most important uh, bullet points of the story of Mr. Wash and your portrayal of that? I think the biggest thing is, uh, can we can we re- retake that answer? Yeah, absolutely. Um I think the most uh, salient thing about the film is that there is this idea of creative redemption and rede- and personal redemption through art and creative expression. And the fact that his art was so inextricably kind of intertwined with his release and led to the conversation that actually ended up getting this in front of Obama and the White House counsel um, to me, is what makes his story unique. And I think, um, you know, the fact that you always knew that you were going to get out, I think that was, to me, a really, or to both of us, Marissa and I, um, kind of an amazing thing was your faith that you had and knowing that, you know, you weren't going to be in there for life the way that they said you would be. Um, and that, to me, was an inspiring thing. And I think kind of... Really, we tried to bring that to bear on how we told the story in the film. So I look. I hope that people can make it out tonight. 
Absolutely. Screening at 845 at uh, the Elks Lodge here in beautiful downtown Missoula. Mr. Wash, there's, I'm sure, a lot that didn't make it into the film. I'm sure there's uh, a number of bullet points from your story that you didn't quite get to share. Anything come to mind that uh, you'd like to tell folks about now? Well, yes. It, it, a few things come to mind, and it, you, you're correct, Tom, that it's a lot that didn't make it in. And my paintings, you know, when a person comes, they come to the to the to watch the film. The film has some paintings in it. Um, those paintings tell stories themselves. So a lot of people ask, well, what were you going through? What was it like being in prison? That cliche that says a picture says a thousand words is, is so true. I'm not a writer. You know, I'm not a, a person that can sit down and write a book, you know. But when it gets complicated, multiple stories overlapping one another, I pick the brush up and I start to tell the story in the form of art. So I would paint one picture and then inside of that picture, I'll paint another story. Then inside of that story, I would paint another story. So each one of the pictures that I painted during this course of the 21 years were telling stories that I was leaving these pictures as a message to my grandchildren who were too young when I left, to the unborn people inside of the Washington family to understand who I was, what I did with my life, and what the struggle was. Uh, I think that when you look at the documentary, a lot of that you don't really see. You know, we see the, the glorification of coming home and the stuff like Sean said, of I always had the faith and knew that I was never gonna die in prison. All my paperwork said death, death, the only way out is deceased. And they kept writing it and every three months they'd give me a new one to enforce that. And I would look at it and laugh and say, okay, I have two life sentences, which one you want me to do first? You know, and um, understanding that when you read the pictures and see, then you can make, some people are able to feel the truth that and understand that we, as we all sit in this room now, that we are all spirits of God experiencing life in human, in human form, that we didn't never had a choice whether we was going to be male or female, black or white, blind, crippled or crazy. We just was guaranteed an opportunity to experience life. It's about what you do with your life. And I think that this, when you, you look at the documentary, you come out today and you look at the documentary, you join the Q&A, you get an opportunity to look back and say, here's a possibility of what a human experience could be. You don't have to do the experience. I did it for you. But this is what could happen to you or anybody else in your life. And to remember that while doing that, it's not about how it was given to you or how much was given to you, what platform you came. It's what you do with what you got. I had what they said was a lifetime to do. I didn't believe in that, so I didn't find myself in sorrow in that. I tried to make the best of one day at a time to help at least two people unconditionally that I didn't know a day. And that kind of carried me on. I built my own little bridge through helping others, teaching others how to paint, uh, teach them how to understand the law. A lot of that didn't come out inside of the documentary. So when you... When you go in there and look at it, you're gonna you'll see a lot of things. You'd be like, "Wow, uh, why is this and how did that happen?" It all happened one day at a time, and then eventually, I never knew when I started painting, when I started to teach myself how to paint, that it was gonna be painting that got me out. I, I still believe in in the system today. 
I filed every type of motion that you can file in the system. Every last one. I read the books, lined them up, and said, these are the steps out that was written by man to get out of a situation that I find myself in. None of those worked. That's why when you look at the picture that, that Sean was speaking about, the picture is titled Emancipation Proclamation. That's the title of the painting. Well, Emancipation Proclamation is not old to any of us. It's not new to any of us, I mean. Abraham Lincoln in 1863, they did the Emancipation Proclamation. They divided the territories to end slavery. I took that same picture and took all the characters out and put all the modern day things in because sometimes life feels like we're still in the same position. It just changed over. So I said, let me give you what you already had and show you what it really looked like today. Today, where before there were plantations, now they have penitentiaries. Today, where the free labor was picking cotton, now it's, it's manufacturing goods, and it's done by inmates. And I refused to work. I was like, no, I'm not doing that. So I received the disciplines that came from my refusal, and I stayed with it. I took the lashes, and I created, through the help of God, through prayer, a different pattern out, a different example to show the people that was in there. Because I had to ask myself a lot of times when I was in there, why am I here? If I didn't commit the crime, why do I have two life sentences? I pray and ask God. He told me, look around. When I look around, I found that the majority of the people on the compound was living in fear. And I had none. I didn't understand. I said, why? why? What are you afraid of? Some afraid of dying. Some afraid of the pain. Some afraid of the loss, losing their material possessions, losing their family. It's just all different types of fear. So coming in and being able to help people make it through the fear that they were living with to show them that, look, we can survive in this situation, even with the gangs, with the murders, with the geographical divisions and all that. You don't have to have a fear of none of that. And so I walked through there and did it. And you, you made paintings for other inmates, too. The majority of the paintings I did was for other inmates. The, only, the ones that a lot of people see and they're like, wow, wow, they look. This is just what I was trying to tell my grandchildren and the people inside of my family because I would write letters and my letters would never get out. Mm. You know, I would try to tell them what's going on in here that wouldn't get out. So I just painted pictures to tell the story. And, and that made it out. They can get them and hang them on the wall. But the majority of the artwork that I did, and I did over a thousand images during that 20-year period, 21 years, they were for the other, other inmates, trying to help them struggle through their things. Some of the ones, when you look uh, through the catalog that will be coming online at the uh, artbywatch.com website, you'll see inmates with their families in their tears because a lot of time the grown men, they would never cry out in the open because it, the, any sign of weakness, you could lose your life. So what they do in private, they would confide in me and tell me the things that hurt deep in their heart. And I would take it and paint it out into a form that's acceptable and, and show that this is, what, this is what troubles that person. I wish I had all of those paintings. I wasn't allowed for a long period to take pictures of my artwork. And after I won a few fights, battles with that, they allowed me. So I do have a lot of images that we're going to post up. So you had to fight to keep some art to create the art at that time, too. Um. Yes, it was... <laughs> The, the whole artistic journey, each institution, they had me at three institutions. I started out at Leavenworth in Kansas at the USP Leavenworth. From there, I went to Colorado. Was, uh, during that time, they brought Timothy McVeigh in uh, while I was in Colorado. And then from there to Lompoc. Each one of the institutions created its own obstacles in me becoming an artist. And each one, why it created an obstacle 
once I overcame, because I didn't see it as an obstacle. I'm only looking back seeing it. It's like you, you say, well, you can't do it. Well, uh, why not? Explain to me why. And why shouldn't I be able to? Why shouldn't he be able to paint? How come Tom and Nick can't come in here and paint? You know, you let me in. Why they can't come in? Well, okay, give us another room. So I created rooms, and I started to teach art in Leavenworth. And then it was such a success that when they transferred me to the other prison, they had already heard about it, and then they wanted me to start a program there. And therefore, at each prison I went to, I was able to become the instructor, to become uh, the the compound artist or institutional artist, because I helped not just the inmates, I also shared the same to the staff. Not being a person that committed the crime, I didn't have that type of mentality that you the police and, and, and I'm the convict. We're all people. You have a job to do. Do yours with respect. I have a position as an inmate or a com- as a convict or an inmate, and I, I'm going to have my respect for mine. So we just try to find that out. So I, I did artwork for both police, uh, for staff, for the open public, whenever they, they had some institutes allowed the public to come in and buy your artwork. That was great. Some said, no, they didn't want you to make anything. So You spent a total of how many years on the inside? 21. And how many of those were you painting? Probably 20. Do you believe the system's broken, having gone through it? Yes. Your experience? Terribly. What, Terribly. Do you, what, do you, what, what would you like to see changed? Well, what I would like to see changed is, is exactly this. I would like to see that the federal government and the senators and any of y'all that's listening to have anything to do with it, to open up the door for the innocent people that's in the federal system. The federal system system does not recognize innocence as a claim for relief. So it's just, you could be innocent, and it's like, well, there's nothing we could do. You can't file a claim that you're innocent. You can't do it. But in the states, you can. So the federal government makes every state allow a person that's in the state, if they say they're innocent, give them a hearing to find out why and what went wrong. But in the federal system, you can't use innocence as the claim. And so their system is, is broken in the sense that they require a constitutional violation in order to open the door for any type of relief. But the constitutional violation had to be dealt with at a specific time in the journey. If you passed the, the thing and the constitutional violation did not come to light or you didn't get it put in, you can't go back and put it in. It's wrong because of the way your bartering system is coming in. The plea bargaining system is one of the, it's good, I understand it, that it's necessary with the volume of, what would we call this? Because, see, the, the system runs as any business does. Every year you want to increase. They want to create more beds every year. They want to be able to raise the salary of all their employees. It's a business being ran with human stock whether it's state or federal. So understanding that this has to survive and the societies, you know, they live off of this, that they still have, they have to open up a door. It shouldn't take 21 years if a person is innocent to do it, especially when you have this system that we come in under the pretense that you're innocent into proving guilty, but you don't make it fair in the front part. You know, I elected to go to trial. I said, look, okay, I never committed a crime. Let's do this thing. This is going to be interesting. I didn't know that when I went in there because I read the books in, in, in junior high school. You know, I had U.S. history and government. I believed it. It don't work the way they teach it to you in school. Quit telling the kids a lie. Because you tell them a lie, then you can trick them and trap them on the other end. Come on, man. It's, that's not right. 
That's see part of it is part of the the system, the judicial system, but a lot of it is the educational system as well. Because they're not telling you the truth that you're innocent into proving guilty. If you've been to prison before, if you got caught stealing cookies when you was a teenager, you're a thief forever. Right. It's not shouldn't be like that. We gotta so, fix a lot of stuff in our society. So you but you said you still believe in the system, but it's flawed. It's flawed. I still believe in it because you have to realize and 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 that the system does work because getting a commutation or a pardon by the president of the United States is part of the system. It's the last, very, very, very last step. But why do you make it be like winning a lottery? Why do 10 million people have to fall for just one to say I won? Come on, man. I mean, listen, we went through this thing, and I got blessed, and I thank you, Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that it was 36,000 people applied with me. Out of 36,000 people, only 1,750 of us made it out. It's 34,000 people still up under the qualifications that you set forward and said, this is the way out. 36,000 people under that statue, of what, this is what you gave. They filed their motions, they put their motions in, and they waited. And I waited as I waited as well. I happen to be blessed, and I think it's my talent in the artwork that kind of moved me into a position. Because I was one of the very first 14. Congratulations, I get a letter. You one of the first group of people to to be accepted inside of this program. I had did a lot during the 20 years helping the staff, helping the communities that they had put me in and so forth. On. Maybe that had something to do with it when they looked at the record. But still in all, my heart goes out for the 34,000 people that's still in there. I had to live with these people for 20 years. They're not really bad people. Some of them are twisted and feel that they didn't get a fair shake in society and they're angry, you know, because of that. And some was happy for me to go and some of them turned real, real sad at the end. That they because they didn't qualify up under the, the thing. When I qualified, it was 22 points I had to qualify for, and I argued for other inmates. And we divided that down between the group uh, and back and forth. I know on five points, five points they agreed with me, and we moved that 22 down by five. And then other people may have did other things, but in the end, it was only eight. Everybody in here, if you can match these eight points, you can come home. 36,000 people matched the eight, and they filed their petitions. And they're still sitting in there. That's there, wrong. there are plenty of uh, uh, conversations taking place on this from various angles. Yes. Whether you see it be a documentary film yes. in music and pop culture. Right. So ideally, eventually the tide will turn. Yeah. You know, that's that's what we all can hope. But uh, I can't thank you enough for stopping by to share your story. Okay. Mr. Wash and uh, Sean as well, your work. Have we left anything out? What else do we need to cover, gentlemen, on this what, film? Okay, on the film, okay, Sean, you should go, what you got? No, I just think, um, you know, we, it's a big story. There were some, a lot of things that Marissa and I weren't able to touch on, um, mainly having to do with Wash's backstory. Um, and he's still in the process of going through, you know, various legal things that come with after you, getting your sentence commuted. There's a lot of vestigial kind of the long arm of the system still hangs over you in different ways. And so, um, you know, I think there are conversations to be had about that, but I think that we're also interested in telling more of your story in the future, either through film or, you know, through your website or kind of getting the word out like we're doing right now. And, um, yeah, I think if we had one opportunity to 
fill out the rest of the story, there are a lot of details that could be, you know, potentially a feature film or a longer documentary could, you know, is something that we yeah, have we, talked a lot it's, about. It's, so. Yes, it's cool. needed. It's needed nice. for that to tell the story. But um, did you want to add one last thing before we head out? Yeah, I did. If it's okay, I would, yeah, I, what I would like to do is kind of speak to the people who may be listening to the radio this maybe too far up in the mountains or whatever to come down today to either to see the documentary or to see the art. Uh, I, what I would like to, if it's okay, I would give the uh, website address and uh, uh, We're Instagram. on the same page. That was okay. my next question. Yeah, Where so, do we keep up? So you can keep up. You can go to Mr. Wash the Artist as one word in Instagram. Instagram at Mr. Wash the Artist. You get a chance to see some of the artwork. You can go to artbywash.com. Uh, on the website, and you can go to um, to my website, and you can see how the artwork is being applied these days. A lot of the artwork comes out in washwear clothing. Uh, a lot of it comes out with Everybody World. They makes everything from recycled cotton, and they produces the, my artwork on their clothes. So you can purchase artwork, or purchase the art, support. You can support criminal justice reform by taking these materials and wearing them and letting people know, help spread the word that the system is broken and washware and art by wash is trying to do that. Mr. Wash, thank you for your work, your art, telling your story. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for having us. Thanks for coming by, you guys. Thank you, Nick. If you can't make it out to the film tonight, again, screening 845 at Elks Lodge in downtown Missoula. Tickets online, or I believe you can walk up as well uh, to pick up those tickets. You can get them right there at the Elks. This uh, interview will be available in full. Feel free to share it. If you uh, have something you'd like to add on to this story, you can find the entire Big Sky Documentary Film Fest podcast at trail1033.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeart, all the usual uh, various podcast platforms. Take care, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you so Thanks much. Thanks a lot.